Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning as we continue into our Advent season as we have the last couple of weeks and as we continue to wait um, for the coming of Messiah. Remember, uh, we are not to Christmas yet. We are patiently waiting. Don't rush toward Christmas. Don't, don't push too fast through Advent. It's during this time in the weeks leading up to Christmas that we remind ourselves of the longing that we have for the revealing of God's promises, the longing that we have for the world to be set right, the longing that we have for God's salvation to be revealed to us. We're, we're living in it, and yet we're still waiting for it to come in its fullness. Just like the prophet Isaiah was several hundred years before Jesus was born. We've been letting Isaiah speak to us for the last couple of weeks as he is living through the reign of progressively bad rulers in Israel and, and wondering when God's going to show up to do something, when God's going to show up to redeem his people, rescue his people, um, delight in his people. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've journeyed with Isaiah as he's led us into places of hope and places of peace. And today we move on into joy. Joy is the third Sunday of Advent. Um, we have experienced wonderful moment of joy this morning. I'm so thankful for our kids and so thankful for Shannon uh, putting all of that together for us. Uh, what a what a great time. What a neat thing. I've not, I've not been here for the manger show before. It's awesome. Uh, and I love it. And it, it really is such a joyful thing. Uh, I want to I take some time and just, just ask you a little bit about what brings you joy. We're going we're gonna to try this Mad Libs style a little bit, you know, person, place thing kind of. Uh, so I'm just going to ask you, feel free. Uh, you don't have to raise your hand or anything. Uh, just shout it out. Um, I'm going to ask you about some things that maybe bring you joy. It doesn't have to be related to Christmas. It can, can be any, anything, uh, any time of year or, or anything throughout the year. But is there, um, is there a place? Does anybody have a place that really brings them joy? Some place that you like to be, like to go, like to visit? Utah. Utah. All right, great. It's too hot for joy there, but all right. I, I, I'll, yeah, good. Rockford. Yeah, Rockford. All right. all right. Around a campfire. The library. Your house? What about a person? Is there a person that brings you joy? Bob Newhart? <laughs> Excellent. Family. What about an activity? Let's switch to verbs. We're going to switch from nouns to verbs. Is there an activity that brings you joy? Something you love to do that just fills your heart with joy? Swim. All right. Drinking coffee. Eating tacos. Yes. Yes. 
Yes. Spending time with friends. Hiking. All right. Traveling with Dane. Making kids smile. Well, what about a thing? I'll switch back to, to noun for a second. Any, anything, this is the most generic, anything that we haven't mentioned yet that brings you joy? Sunshine? Hugs? Dark chocolate? Rainbows? Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much for sharing all that joy with us this morning. Um, we are... We are a people who are designed for joy. Uh, we, we need it. We love to experience it. Um, to be honest, joy ought to be humanity's default setting, but we live in a world that tries to rob that away from us, don't we? We live in a world where sometimes it is hard to find joy, hard to express joy, hard to be joyful. Uh, our world sometimes seems increasingly dark, uh, increasingly Scrooge-like, and it's hard for us to remember joy. And that's the situation that Isaiah finds himself living in in the Old Testament as, as kings get progressively worse uh, throughout Isaiah's life until finally, they, honestly, during Isaiah's life, we get to the king who is almost uh, the worst king that Israel's ever had. And that's saying something. Um, of all of the bad kings that Judah and Israel have had, if, if you're like at the bottom of that list, that it's really bad. And yet it's during the reigns of these terrible kings that Isaiah begins to speak in his book about joy. And so I want to share with you what Isaiah writes in Isaiah chapter 35. Here's Isaiah chapter 35, it, it, the whole chapter. It's only 10 verses long. We can do it. Um, but here's Isaiah chapter 35, verses 1 through 10. Isaiah writes, The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are uh, of fearful heart, be strong and do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of the jackal shall become a swamp, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. 
They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is Isaiah's vision of joy. Uh, I, don't have, I don't have a huge amount of time today because we already had a, a really good sermon, right? Uh, but I just want to offer you a, a few thoughts uh, about joy this morning because it is sometimes so elusive and sometimes so hard to hold on to. Uh, and in this passage of Isaiah, there are a few things I think that are, are worth taking note of. And, and the first is, is, honestly, it's really trite and it's really kind of Christmassy, but it's true that joy is not found in possessions or in power or in privilege, but joy is found in the presence of God. That's what Isaiah says in our passage today. He, he doesn't talk about things, about worldly things that are given. He doesn't talk about, about Israel being the dominant world power. He, he doesn't talk about about God's people uh, getting their way. What he talks about is God being with his people. God with us. We sang that this morning. Emmanuel, God with us. That that is the source of joy. That joy comes out of presence with God and with other people, honestly. There is joy for us in relationship more so than in stuff or position or privilege. Joy is found in the presence of God. And, and the expectation of that joy is itself a source of joy for Isaiah and for us as well. The joy that Isaiah is talking about is not a joy that people are experiencing presently, right? Isaiah is speaking future tense. These things will happen. This is what's coming. But that expectation of joy actually brings us into joy in the here and now. We are a people who are always uh, looking to the future because we understand that the now is not all that there is. And so our joy is set forward. Our joy is set upon God's promises coming true, upon God's salvation being revealed, upon, upon God reigning with his people, upon the return of Christ as we wait for him to come again, as Jeffrey said this morning. We're waiting for creation to be set right. We're waiting for the oppressed to be liberated, lifted, strengthened. We're waiting for the highway or the holy way of the Lord to be established. We're, we're waiting for the healing of the nations. We're not waiting passively. We're active now in helping those things come about. And the reason that we are active, even though it seems an impossible task, is because we know that someday the task will be finished. 
Someday these things will be made complete when God comes and stands among his people. And and there's joy as we look forward to that. And so there's joy for us today, even when it seems hard to walk in a holy way, even when it seems hard to liberate the oppressed, even when it seems hard to bring healing to hurting people. There's joy because we're looking forward and we can see the joy that is coming. And so there's joy today as well. And this ability to, to do this, this ability to, to find joy in the presence of God and the presence of other people, this ability to, to look forward to the joy that God has for us and so experience some of that joy today. Honestly, this is um, one of the marks of uh, maturing spirituality. It's one of the marks of, of, a, of a maturing spiritual people. Holding on to joy even when it's hard, especially when it's hard, especially when it seems impossible. Holding on to joy is the mark of the Christian life. We may not always be happy. Happiness is a thing that is often based on external circumstances. But we can choose joy even when we are not experiencing happiness. We can choose to see the things that God is doing in the world, in other people's lives, and be joyful. We can choose to see the things that God has done in the past through the scriptures and be joyful. We can choose to see the things that God is bringing in the future and be joyful, even if I'm having a terrible, awful, rotten, no good, very bad day. I'm, I'm finishing up a paper uh, for my class. It's due Tuesday. It's not finished. Um, and I, I have a, a, a pit in my stomach uh, because of that, because I've procrastinated too long. I'm not happy with where my paper is at. But I'm still joyful. I'm still joyful because of Jesus. I'm still joyful because of what's coming Uh, through Jesus. I'm still joyful because of the relationships that I have. I'm still joyful because of what God is doing, even if the circumstance around me does not produce happiness. Joy is based not on circumstance, but on the promises of God. As long as we hold tightly to those promises, we can choose joy. This is why joy is listed as one of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of, of of a person's life who's living by the Spirit of God includes Joy, not because they're happy all the time, but because they're consistently choosing to hold on to God's promises no matter what's happening in life. We can do that. We must do that. In fact, sometimes, honestly, sometimes that's all we can do is just cling desperately by the tips of our fingers to joy. Sometimes life gets so bleak, so rough, that we just have to tenaciously, with every fiber of our being, hang on to that joy. Even if we don't feel it. Even if we don't see it around us. Sometimes it's hard to be joyful, and the Bible knows this. Isaiah knows this. The New Testament knows this. 
Paul and Silas know that it's hard to hold on to joy. That's why they're singing at midnight in prison in chains and shackles. Because it's the only way that they can hold on to joy. Peter and the apostles know this. That's why they go out rejoicing after having been beaten. Because they have been found worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. It's hard to hold on to joy. Jesus knows this. The Bible says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It's not that the cross was fun, right? But Jesus tenaciously hung on to joy in the midst of his suffering. And the early Christians knew this too. That's why the book of James writes to us and says, consider it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. Sometimes there is no other option than to cling desperately to joy. Because if we don't, we're absolutely lost. When we give up on joy, when we give up on choosing joy, when we give up on the promises of God, when we give up on that future that is coming to pass ever so slowly, when we give up on that presence of God, we're done. What else is there for us if we decide to let go of joy? So choose joy. Choose joy in happy times, when you're sitting around the campfire, when you're with your family, when you're with your friends, when you're, when you're cozy with your coffee, or when you're ensconced in the library. Choose joy during good times, and choose joy during hard times. Choose joy when your finances get tight. And choose joy when that person at work is just jumping up and down on your last nerve. And choose joy when things aren't okay at home. And choose joy after you've been doom-scrolling Twitter for far too long. Choose joy. Choose to believe in the promises of God. Choose to, to lean into his presence. Choose to cling tenaciously to joy. There's a band that I really like. It's actually a person. Uh, Her name is Latifah Phillips, but she she plays under the band name Page CXVI. And a lot of what she does is taking uh, old hymns and old choruses and and kind of redoing them in a new way. And and she uh, took, um, there's an old song, it's an old camp song actually, called Joy, Joy, Joy. I've got the Joy, 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 Joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. And she took that song and she, she did it in a minor key. And it's awful. It's so sad. That, I, I've got the Joy, 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 Joy down in my heart in a minor key. Well, you know, and she gets to the, the chorus and I'm so happy. And it's just, it's dragging. You're like, oh. And, and then she wrote a new line for that song. She wrote a new line that says that some days I can't understand and I can't pretend 
that this will be all right in the end. So I'll try my best and lift up my chest to sing about this joy. Some days joy is easy to find. When there's kids frolicking in costumes on stage, there's joy in abundance. Some days it's hard to hold on to joy. Everything seems terrible and it seems like it's at the absolute worst. But either way, choose joy. Choose joy. Whether you feel it, whether you understand it, we can still choose joy. And you know what? I think that if we do that, I think that if Christians were to do that, if the church were to do that, I think that would absolutely set us apart from the world as a people. When the world is swayed by the ups and downs of what's happening in the news and happening in society and happening in the neighborhood and happening at at work and happening at school, I think if we would choose to live in joy, not with fake happiness, but with genuine joy, leaning into the presence of God, looking forward to his promises being fulfilled, if we would do that, it would make a difference in the world. It would set us apart. And for a people longing for real joy, for a people that are longing for real joy, what would it do for them to see us living with joy? Choose joy. We want to move into a time of communion as we continue to worship. We want to come to the table that's set in the middle of the room. It's not my table. It's not this church's table. It's the table of Christ. And he has invited us to come and to experience joy around the table. To remember what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do someday as we come and and take of the bread and take of the juice that reminds us of his body and his blood given for us so that we might be the people of God, so that we might be able to come into the presence of God, so that we might understand how true it is that we are God's dearly beloved children. And so we uh, come to our communion time, and it is available to you. It's open to all. And if you choose, um, there'll be people who come to the table. You can join the line uh, to do that and pick up um, a piece of bread and pick up a cup and then uh, head back to your seats and just hang on to those things. And after everybody has been served, uh, we'll take those items together um, as a body, uh, remembering the joy that is given to us through Jesus. Before we do that, as we do every week, we come into a moment of confession um, before our God. So if you would and are, are willing and able, would you please stand with me as we come before God in confession together. Would you join me? Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name. Amen. Come and receive the Lord's Supper.